Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and today we're gonna to cover some of the reviews that have come out for the iPhone 14 and 14 Pro. iOS 16.1 has already come out in a new developer beta with features, and we got a ton of other things to get to in the show. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Magic Lasso, Tart Cherry Gummies, ZocDoc, and Collide. You'll hear about our sponsors in a moment. And joining me on this eve of our delivery of new iPhones, to my friend across the pond, William Gallagher. How's it going, William? Um, smiley face, palm. Um, and, <laughs> am I doing this right or not? Uh, um. All right, all right. For, for those who don't uh, follow us on Twitter, which is a grave mistake, you should go on Twitter, follow William and myself. <laughs> and an article came out on Apple Insider. I was hoping you were the one who wrote the article, but I was, <laughs> unfortunately, that wasn't the case. But Amber on Apple Insider, this article says, using emoji makes you more likable, according to uh, an Adobe 2022 emoji report. And so I immediately thought of William, who refuses to use emojis. And I said, William, this will make you more uh, likable. You just uh, use more emojis. <laughs> so there you go. Are you trying it out? Have you tried any emojis? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you know, every article I write at the moment, I'm only using emoji. Uh -huh, um, uh -huh. And actually, I, I'm surprised I'm talking to you. I was going to continue the uh, palm, uh, P-shape, whatever they are, things. Have I discovered a limitation in emoji, do you think, at all? And have you seen that I, I made your face into an emoji on in Slack, in the Apple Insider Slack? Did you see that? Yes. <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> I was particularly proud of that. I don't know, William. I mean, between that and then Ted Lasso wins an Emmy for Outstanding Comedy Series. I think you might need to change some of your opinions on these things. I'm just saying. Uh, the people have spoken. Well, actually, that's quite interesting. I mean, a factual thing, you know, evidence. Yeah, yeah. Um, this happens, that happens. Of course, your, your mind is changed by it. But just opinions. Should one change one's opinion just because some specific number of people have the opposite opinion? Well, this is yeah, not a I philosophy mean, podcast, William. We what's the number? <laughs> Maybe if you want William and I to do a bonus episode talking about moral philosophy, <laughs> uh, tweet at William and myself, but strictly in emojis, please. Only use emojis in your tweet to both of us. Thank you. Right. And yeah, I'll understand every syllable and respond. Okay. Well, here's what I want to know. Please tell me in emojis, William. As we record, it is Thursday, but as listeners listen to it, well, if you're a paid supporter, you might, you get this early. You're listening Thursday evening, but this episode comes out Friday and new iPhones, iPhone 14, 14 Pro. It is launch day. And I don't know, William, did you pre-order something or do you have a new iPhone coming Friday? What do you think? Have a guess. I think there's a 90% chance that you have a new iPhone coming. No. I actually don't. No. I, I may yet. I may yet Whoa. change my mind. There are reasons to change my mind. But I was at, I was in a cinema actually, and I got there way early. I was sitting down. And I thought, right, fine. I've got half an hour. Sat there with my phone, and I worked through all the figures, trading offers of what different phones I've got, right. grade program. Oh, I went through all this, and I suddenly thought, hang on, I'm doing all of this in numbers on my iPhone 13 Pro, and it's as fast as my Mac, and it's working really well. I've actually came out appreciating my 13 Pro more from having going through all this so okay. right now at this moment um i just uh, i'm not going to do it but wow. yeah okay. there, there are reasons and there's an apple store nearby right you should go to that brompton new you should go to that new apple store in brompton check it out over there take an entire day to go spend 1200 pounds because no i know i know remember of course iphones yeah that all this thing of apple of how great it was that they kept the price the same as last year right. well yeah only in the states and canada oh. everywhere else substantial difference um oh. i can't remember now 
matter what I came into, but it was more than a hundred pounds difference. Increases. Okay, well that that's significant. That's significant. And, but I will say, you know, I was going to look pre-order day. You know, obviously, we haven't recorded since pre-orders went live and we did all that. I pre-ordered iPhone 14 Pro in silver, 512, and that should be arriving. Hopefully, as you listen to this episode, it should be coming on a UPS truck shortly after. I'll be staring out the window because last year I missed it. I don't know if you remember, William. <laughs> I missed my UPS guy. Yes. And then I went all the way till Monday. First world problem, I know, but I was aggrieved that I had to wait till Monday. It was the first time I didn't get it on launch day. And so this Friday, I'll be sitting at my window with a pair of binoculars. I might even just sit in the front lawn. You know, I might even just spend my whole day outside. Um, (laughs) No, 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 I'm sorry. Maybe the front lawn, but in your window with binoculars, there's just something ever so slightly creepy there. (laughs) I mean, there's a rear window reference, but... No, it's fine. It's no, it's fine. Well, my, my office window now faces the front so i think i could just leave my window open and keep an eye out but i'll be i'll be looking for it i mean i even thought about doing a live unboxing just to redeem my my missing of it last year but (laughs) but we'll see that's that comes tomorrow and there's new reviews out of the 14 14 pro and we're going to get to all the details of that first real quick some five-star review shout outs because you guys are incredible so many five-star reviews every week lancelot 62799 wasn't the original lancelot they were in the uk right king arthur and his uh his men wasn't that a UK thing? Yeah, we had one of those. Yeah, you had one yes. of those. Yeah. 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 Hans Peter from the USA. Joss Stone from Spain. He gave us a 10 out of 10. Well, at least in the text, but he really appreciates the show. It's very nice. Excellent. Futbolista, 1027 from California. He appreciates the uh, chapters and chapter art, which if you didn't know, as you listen to the Apple Insider podcast, you get chapter artwork unique to each chapter and you actually can like jump around with chapter timestamps. So check it out if you didn't do it. If you listen in CarPlay, you actually see that chapter art as well. Charlotte 789 from Canada, Horizon Flyer from USA, Marius from South Africa. He he mentioned you specifically, William. He really likes you. So Oh right. Yeah, Marius. Yay. Thank yeah, you. there you go. And Chibijon from USA. He says he is grieved uh when we say things like what's a performa, which I'll be honest, I I I'm I know the name. And I know it's a Mac, but I'm not super familiar, right? Yeah. The performer was a Mac, right? Yeah. Yes, it was. And I used some. Oh, okay. okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> Can we just go back to Charlotte 789? Charlotte, is there, are there really 788 other Charlotte? I mean, it yeah. could be, I suppose. Yeah. They, but, there could you know, be. Okay. There could be. Could you use emojis on those performers? Did they have those back then? Anyway, let's move on real quick. <laughs> Okay, like this. I'm looking. (laughs) I want to get to some of those big reviews. Uh, Real quick, a couple listener follow-ups. William by email was asking me about, not G, not William Gallagher, a different William, was asking me about keeping boxes from Apple devices. And because it's the fall season, people getting new Apple devices, he sent me a screenshot of many Apple boxes that he has kept from iPads and Magic Keyboards and Apple TVs and such. So I was curious. I've been leaning more towards not keeping boxes recently because with the amount of Apple devices that come through this house, that could be a, <laughs> a quite a room or a place to find, you know, put these boxes. I've kept a few. I, I think I keep boxes now of like first run new products. Like I have my AirPods Max box because that felt like, you know, it's the first device of its kind. I wanted to keep that one. I have some of my older boxes, like the original iPod Touch. I kept that box, but I don't know. What's your box keeping practice, William? Do you have a closet full of boxes? Quite a few. But is that photograph going to be in the chapter art at all? That's right. It will be. Because it it vaguely reminds me of, shall we say, 
FBI shots of documents lying on floors. <laughs> Confidential. Places. There's kind of an irresistible image now I've made that. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, yeah. I used to keep them because I thought I might sell things on, but I never just seemed to do that. Right. Um, but I'm glad I've still got my original iPhone box in its original uh, Apple wow. bag. Uh, so look, I can see a Mac mini box way up above me on the shelves. Yeah, and okay. that must be two years old yeah. now, I mean, but uh, I'm trying to declutter and it seems like an obvious thing to go, doesn't it? If you but, have an original hmm. iPhone box, though, you got to keep that. You don't. You can't throw that yes. away. Yes, I've got it's, the original iPhone as well, but it doesn't work anymore. Well, but still, yeah, I mean that's still that's historic. I would I would keep those for sure. But, well, but hang on, how how do you know now what's going to be historic later? I mean, the original iPhone. Yeah. I think yeah. it, it has reached the annals of history. I think we're, it's not. It's going to be in books for a long time. Yeah, but at least in our lifetimes. I, I bought it on launch day here in the UK, which was later in the states. I can't remember what it's, but late two uh, two thousand and seven. Uh, if I was going to throw away the box, I would have thrown it away late 2007 before I knew right, all right. of this. So is there like um, a statute of limitations of how long you should keep it in case it's going to become useful? <laughs> in case? I don't know. Like, I, Oh, I still have my original Apple Watch box too because I got the the first Apple Watch on launch day. That was the first major review I did for Apple Insider. And so I still have that. So I don't know. Listeners, tweet your picture of uh, Apple boxes at, at William and I, but only in emojis, please. But li you can include the picture. But everything else, just emoji. Okay. Thank you. This is going to keep running, isn't it? The whole emoji. <laughs> just for a little bit. All right. We need to get to these big reviews. So the iPhone 14 and 14 Pro, there were some initial reviews like from The Verge, iJustine, MKBHD. A lot of YouTubers have access to these devices early, as well as the Apple Watch Series 8. Those reviews came out Thursday morning, which I'm going to cover this probably in like 30 seconds because the Apple Watch Series 8, it's <laughs> all the reviews really struggle to talk about it because the newest features, crash detection, None of them tested it. Like none of them were about to get into a car and crash, or I guess they couldn't find a you know dummy track of cars being crashed. So there's no crash detection testing in these reviews. And then the other major feature, which is the temperature sensor and cycle tracking. Apparently the Apple Watch Series 8 needs at least two cycles in order yeah. to really be able to start giving you that predictive information and at least five night's sleep with the Apple Watch Series 8 to form a baseline of your temperature before it even starts doing like the cycle tracking type stuff. So basically the two standout new features for Series 8 wasn't really able to be reported by these reviews. And the, then the physical design and speed and display is very similar to Series 7. So basically the Series 8 review is uh, come back in a couple months and I guess we'll see what it does. Do you think Apple actually added these new features or they just said they did <laughs> no, and no. figured we've got a couple of months, nobody will catch no, on? No, no, they, they've added the features. It was actually, The Verge, it was interesting. They put the Apple Watch Series 8 strapped to a remote control car and they tried to careen this RC car around the office and crash <laughs> it into desks and stuff. <laughs> but listen, I mean, yeah. I, it's a reasonable experiment, I guess, but it did not, they could not fool the crash detection, which we talked about it last week, but the crash detection, it detects like pressure changes from airbags, that high G-force accelerometer. I mean, it's using all the sensors, like the sound for loud noises. It uses all of that together to detect a crash. Mm. So I don't think a remote control car can simulate all of that. I'm waiting for Joanna Stern from the Wall Street Journal, who has been known to like get in a boxing ring to test fall detection. <laughs> I'm waiting for her to find some car track where she can test crash detection, but not, nothing so far, nothing yet. I suspect you and I have a different definition of reasonable for experiments. <laughs> <laughs> hey, here's a thousand pound phone. 
chuck it in your dinky toy, throw uh, it on the wall. Uh, it's, you know... Mm, I will say, I feel like there's been a less common occurrence of people trying to crack iPhone screens on launch day. I feel like several years ago, there was <laughs> yes. always a swath of videos on YouTube and social media of people like dropping the new iPhone from a ladder, dropping it from a three-story building, and seeing the crash or the crack threshold. And I feel like that has lessened a lot. I feel like people don't do that as much and... I don't know, maybe it's because they don't want to break all these phones or Apple stopped sending it to them early, but I don't see that as much anymore. Mm. So aside from Series 8, iPhone 14 reviews are also out and these got a lot more interesting. Watched a bunch of them and of course we'll provide some hands-on thoughts and ideas next week because I'll actually have it in hand. But a lot of praise for the Dynamic Island. One of the best YouTube videos on this and I'll put links in the show notes to these was Sarah Dietschy, her YouTube channel. She has kind of a 30 second segment showing all the different Dynamic Island animations. And the high praise for Dynamic Island caught me off guard at first. I thought, is this really such a positive reaction to this thing? But then I actually saw some of the use cases, again, especially in Sarah's video, the Dynamic Island, like if you do a voice memo and if you start recording a voice memo, you'll actually see the time elapsed and you'll see that it's still recording up in the Dynamic Island even after you close the voice memos app. And then pair that with the always on display. That's one of the things, you know, I've recorded voice memos in the past and I always like tap the screen just to make sure the voice memo is still rolling. Yeah. And now you can just glance at your phone and you see the voice memo is still going. I'm like, that's actually a useful feature. In addition to you can pause and stop the recording from the dynamic island without going to the voice memos app. And then other things like airdrop and such. I thought those were very interesting use cases that are actually useful. Have you seen anything like that? Oh, yeah, I've watched the same videos as you, and I, I had no doubt about it. I thought it was incredibly impressive. But I think this is Apple doing what it so often does, uh, seemingly coming very late to something, but then just doing it right. And you know every phone from now on will emulate this because they've just they've done it right. It's Yeah, and I will put this as the chapter art, or at least this short segment, but uh, The Verge's review, they had this little card pop up to show all the things that currently are supported in the Dynamic Island. I won't read the full list, but even things like AirDrop and Car Key to AirPlay, even when you do the silent switch on and off, it gives you the little visual representation there in the Dynamic Island. Find My Hotspot will be up there. And then also players like Spotify, Audible, Overcast already supports it, and Call Kit. So if you get a call from like Google Voice or Skype or WhatsApp, those things will appear in the Dynamic Island. So Overall, it seems like Dynamic Island is actually going to be a great visual medium for a lot of these apps. And again, third parties have access to it too. So we'll see lots of apps supported probably in the near future. So Dynamic Island, I'm, I'm excited to try it out. It looks even more useful than I expected. I want to get to the camera in a minute because Austin Mann had his big review of the camera features and he had many thoughts on it. So we'll get to that in a moment. Paired with the Dynamic Island, the always-on display. MKBHD felt like the always-on needed more customization as far as maybe brightness or what can be displayed. You can disable always-on if you want on your iPhone 14 Pro and Pro Max. So if you just go to display and brightness settings on your iPhone, you can just turn it off and no more always-on display. If your phone goes into low power mode, apparently always-on display turns off there. MKBHD also pointed out that things like the voice memos and maps also have great dimmed options for always-on display. So let's say you're doing turn-by-turn -turn navigation in maps, and typically the full screen would be on in brightness and it would show you the turn-by-turn, -turn, which is great, but if you're on a long trip, like a road trip, that could really kill your battery really fast. And so if you turn the screen quote unquote off, the turn by turn will still show you 
how far it is till the next turn, and it'll show you the arrow on which direction to turn, but it will dim the rest of the display and it'll turn off kind of the live map. And so again, I think that's really useful things for the always on display. And Brian Tong's review, I thought this was very interesting. The always on display will turn off in various situations. Like if you place your iPhone face down on a desk, the display turns off completely to save battery. If you put it in a pocket, all those are proximity sensor related where it can sense if it's you know being covered. Mm. But Brian Tong said, if you move far enough away from your iPhone and you have an Apple Watch paired with it, the display will also turn off. So if your iPhone knows that you're not nearby, it will turn the screen off to save power because it knows you're not looking at it. And then I think that's also a great security and privacy feature where if you leave it somewhere in the house or at work and you're not near it, the screen is off and you can't see what's on it. So I thought those were really great. Did you see anything or get any thoughts from the always on? Yeah, um, there's one more. Unlike the Apple Watch, there isn't a shortcuts action to turn always on, on or off. And I don't know why, Mm. but there is an action to turn on low power mode. Uh, on the iPhone. And if you use that, as you just said, always on turns off. <laughs> so you could have it, you could create a shortcut where you walk into uh, your office, your school, your church or something. Location triggers a shortcut, shortcut triggers slow power mode, always on goes off for it. So there's a, a little bit more control than we thought there might be. It's very nice. Obviously, none of these reviews could do the satellite SOS because it actually launches in November. So even if someone went into the wilderness right now with their iPhone 14 Pro, satellite SOS would not work. So don't do that with your launch day iPhone thinking you can get a satellite SOS working. That will come in November, most likely with 16.1, which we're going to talk about that shortly because some new features came out in that newest developer beta. Action mode, the new stabilization feature for the 14 Pro and Pro Max, looks really good as well. Peter McKinnon had a great video showing that, and a lot of the reviewers <laughs> just kind of like ran around and tried the action mode stabilization, and it, it does look really, really good. I'll touch back on that with Austin Mann's review. And then one other thing about the Dynamic Island, there's already being developed games <laughs> featuring the Dynamic Island, and this was incredible. <laughs> yeah, this this tweet from uh, Chris Smolka, he's developing an app, and he didn't have a 14 Pro to test, so he kind of tweeted asking for anyone to check it out. This tweet video has like 200,000 views, but basically it's like Pong, but it is trying to hit the Dynamic Island, and so you actually move the little uh, bar at the bottom, or there's some kind of like ball going around the screen and you try to hit it. And if you hit the dynamic island, he was able to animate it to like kind of expand quickly to show that you've hit it. And so he's going to launch this game on the iPhone. And frankly, genius. Like what an yes. awesome and creative yes. idea. I absolutely love this. I will download that on day one. Absolutely. Uh, that could tip me over the edge into buying one, actually, <laughs> just to do that. That's superb. Not the 48 megapixel sensor, not the always on display. It's playing Pong with the uh, dynamic eye. Yeah. Oh, all right. And also cinematic (laughs) mode, which has always been very clever, but it's also been a toy because it's only worked in HD. So what filmmaker is going to switch from 4K? And now it's in 4K. So, yay. There you go. And yes. Yes. Lots of benefits. Yeah. We're going to talk about more about the camera in a second. Real quick, I wanted to ask you, did you try uh, Tom Hanks' new trivia game? That came out on Apple Arcade no, a week ago. I forgot that was coming. You did try? Oh, okay. Yes. So I tried it out no. because I love trivia type stuff. And so I was very curious. And it's a fun game. I love the questions. They do this one thing, which, William, I would love for you to try this. So next time you're on the show, you could tell me how troubling it seems to you. But they take two famous celebrities, like actor and actresses, 
and they combine their faces Ew. in this like photoshopped mix of these two celebrity faces. And then they ask you, what two celebrities is this a mix of? And they, <laughs> I think they did like Vin Diesel and Ryan Reynolds. And then they did like Gwyneth Paltrow and another actress. And it's this very strange combination of faces. And you have to guess, like, what are the two actors' faces that are mixed in? And, oh, I just found, I just found one. I got to slack this to you real quick because I want to get your, your live reaction to what this looks like. So this was, this was one of them. I'm sending William this picture right now. And you have to guess what these two actors are. And you get three choices. And it's like, is it Jude Law and Tom Hiddleston combined? Or is it these other ones? That's a, do you see that image, William? I see it. Um, <laughs> right. I actually, um, for a drama fan, I'm surprisingly least interested in the cast. I mean, a great actor is great, but I, I have never gone to see a film or a show because of who's in it or who's directed it. Sometimes who's written it, but it has to be the story interests me or it doesn't. So I I would have said I'd be really, really poor on this, but I look at that and I'm certain it's uh, Daniel Craig and Colin Firth. <laughs> that it is. That was the correct answer for that. Yes. It was the ears. Yeah, the ears, okay. yeah. But yes, it looks like, it doesn't look like, I thought, you know, it'd be a very obvious blurring of it, but that looks like one real person, not, not uh, that's quite unsettling. Yeah, <laughs> that's, the, yeah. that's the word that came to my mind, like seeing some of these combinations, it was a little unsettling, but interesting question. So uh, it's a fun app though. Obviously, if you subscribe to the like Apple bundles or you pay for Apple Arcade, you could download it for free and try it out. There were some tough questions there too. I did good on like geography Ooh. and then some other ones uh, I was not so good at. So it's, it's a fun game. If you like trivia, you should check it out. This episode is brought to you by Tart Cherry Gummies. If you're like me, you try to find ways where you can incorporate healthy routines into your everyday life. Something that's easy and quick. Now I've talked about Super Beats Heart Chews and I love those. I've been using those to know I'm increasing my heart health just by taking these tasty little chews. And from the same people that brought you the Super Beats Heart Chews, now comes a new way to tackle post-workout inflammation, and that's tart cherry gummies. Tart cherry gummies from the makers of the Super Beats Heart Chews are an easy way to reduce inflammation from exercise and support your metabolic health. These gummies are made with clinically studied tart cherry extract. It's up to 40 times more concentrated than any other tart cherry extracts. And just two tart cherry gummies are the antioxidant equivalent of 16 ounces of tart cherry juice or 100 cherries and they're vegan non-gmo have zero sugar and are delicious they're formulated by a team of scientists led by a nobel prize winning doctor tart cherry has been clinically studied to support metabolic health now i don't know about you but i've tried straight tart cherry juice like 100 cherry juice and i know it's really good for you but man that stuff it's kind of tough to drink, but you don't have to do that anymore. These tart cherry gummies taste great. I've actually recently gotten a, a Bowflex machine that I've been kind of using in conjunction with a pool to get some exercise, and I've been eating a couple of those tart cherry gummies right after. Again, taste great, and I know they're good for me. They come with 100% satisfaction guarantee. You could try them risk-free for 90 days, see how you feel, and if you don't love them, send them back, no questions asked. So right now you can get up to 35% off tart cherry gummies plus free shipping at mytartcherry.com slash Apple Insider. This is their best offer available anywhere. That's mytartcherry.com slash Apple Insider for up to 35% off tart cherry gummies. mytartcherry.com slash Apple Insider. That link is also in the show notes. 
My thanks to My Tart Cherries for sponsoring this episode and my friends at ZocDoc. Oh my goodness, I love ZocDoc. If you ever need to find a doctor, a general practitioner, or even a specialist, ZocDoc is where you need to go. Especially here in the U.S., it can be a pain when you've made that appointment months in advance, you have to sit on that phone tree, and when you finally get to the doctor's office, you find they don't take your insurance. Well, ZocDoc, you can put your insurance provider, even your health insurance plan, and ZocDoc will show you doctors that you can be sure take your insurance. It is a totally free app and it shows you doctors who are patient reviewed, take your insurance and available when you need them. You can find every specialist under the sun from straightening your teeth to fixing an achy back. And from the mobile app, it's super easy to book an appointment right there. You don't have to make another phone call. Plus you can find and review local doctors, read other verified patient reviews from real people who have made real appointments. And when you walk into that doctor's office, you're all set to see someone in your network so go to ZocDoc.com, find the doctor that's right for you, book an appointment right there online, in person or remotely, you can book telehealth appointments and one that works with your schedule. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc and I'm one of them. I love the ZocDoc app and I use it all the time. It's my go-to whenever I need to find and book a quality doctor. So go to ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider, download the ZocDoc app for free, and then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Apple Insider. ZocDoc.com slash Apple Insider. That link is also in the show notes. Our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode. All right, so I want to talk about Austin Mann's review of the camera on iPhone 14 Pro and Pro Max. Austin Mann always does this incredible review of the new iPhone cameras. He's been doing it for 10 years now, and he always goes to a remote location somewhere in the world, not necessarily remote. Sometimes it goes to remote locations. This year actually went to Scotland to test out the 48 megapixel camera. He has lots of thoughts. He's actually been on the Apple Insider podcast the last two years in a row. And so I'm trying to get a hold of him. Maybe he could do another interview with us to share his thoughts directly. Being a professional photographer, he was very excited for the 48 megapixel sensor, which allows for like larger prints if you use it. Now, so you know, if you get an iPhone 14 Pro or Pro Max and you just use the stock camera app just as it is, you're most likely not going to be getting 48 megapixel photos. You'll be getting 12 megapixel photos that are pixel binned where it combines four pixels into one for better light gathering. Just so you know, if you want those 48 megapixel photos, you'll either need to shoot in Apple Pro Raw format where you can force that resolution or in a third-party app like Halide, which is a great third-party camera application. Austin Mann's thoughts in that 48 megapixel mode, the phone is slower in responsiveness and in taking photos. Obviously it's capturing a lot more detail. And so if you are trying to shoot quickly, maybe even burst mode, 48 megapixel might not be for you. But on the other hand, 48 megapixel images have incredible detail and you can really crop in. And so if you're taking pictures, especially in brighter light, you know, that's the other thing because it's using every single pixel for the image, if you're in low light conditions, your 48 megapixel photos are not going to be as high quality. But if you're in bright light, if you're doing like a landscape and you're outside, you can really zoom in or crop the images without losing much detail. And so that's when you can really take advantage of that 48 megapixel sensor. He did say when he shoots in pro raw format, 48 megapixel photos, the image sizes, like the file size, is anywhere between 45 and 115 megabytes. So if you do plan on taking a lot of 48 megapixel photos, you're going to take some room up on your iPhone. So just be aware of that. And if you're going to buy an iPhone, think about as far as storage, if you really use it for a lot of photography. He also said 
that the battery life on the 14 Pro and Pro Max does take a noticeable hit when you're using that 48 megapixels at full resolution all the time. Like if you're taking repeated photos or if you're traveling and you really want to get every photo at 48 megapixels, your battery life will also take a hit. But overall, I mean, the images Austin Mann gets out of these cameras are incredible. And so I'll put a link to his review in the show notes, but they look great. He talked about action mode as well. Now, action mode it is the super stabilization again, and it knocks down the resolution. Instead of 4K, it actually shoots at 2.8K at 30 frames per second. So if you're going to use that ultra stabilization action mode, just know you're not getting full 4K quality. And that's because of the way stabilization works. It captures this huge image, you know, uses the full sensor and then really focuses on the subject and keeps them steady, which sacrifices some of that resolution. So action mode is 2.8K resolution. A couple other thoughts he had, his uh, travel experience, because he travels a lot. He's a travel photographer. The iPhone 14 and 14 Pro, the whole 14 lineup, is going to the eSIM, which I'd be very curious your thoughts on this too, William, because the eSIM has been, uh, you know, kind of both, I've heard both sides. Some people really like the idea. They've had positive experiences with it. Listener Ryan Off actually tweeted at me and he went to Italy recently and actually got an eSIM before he left the States and it worked just fine when he arrived. But Austin Mann says where he travels, he's going to East Africa later this year and there are no carriers there available that offer eSIM. And so the fact that he won't have a SIM tray to be able to pop in from a carrier when he gets in country, he actually doesn't have a good option for using the iPhone 14 in that destination that he's going. So the eSIM is going to change the experience for a lot of people. So I don't know, what are your thoughts, William? Because your iPhone, if you do get a 14 eventually, you will have a SIM tray still, but what are your thoughts if it goes away? Uh, well, most of me, um, like 80% of me thinks fine. Those fiddly little cars, get rid of them. That's great. I mean, sure. I, I remember trying to cut down the mini SIM into a nano SIM and sellotaping it into, I don't know, all that sort of faff around stuff. But I am in Britain and we had Brexit and we uh, shot ourselves in the foot over a thousand things, but one of them was over roaming charges across the EU. So for us, going to another country in Europe, this, the only sensible thing is to buy a local SIM for it. Uh, and right. if we weren't able to, if we had to rely on eSIM, um, I didn't know that, that some people had no trouble. I'd only ever heard of people having difficulty or very expensive options available to them. I mean, it'll come and eSIMs will become cheaper wherever they are, but it, it's a concern. Yeah. And Austin Mann said in his review, like he keeps the SIM cards from all the different carriers that he has traveled to because then he doesn't have to get a SIM card when he arrives. He could just pop it in his phone, pay for another month of a plan, and he's good to go. He doesn't have to visit like a carrier store, which he would love to get rid of that collection of tiny SIM cards. I mean, it's a bunch of little cards he's got to keep track of. Remember which is which carrier. Yeah. So the eSIM would be good in like keeping that clean and organized, but it just has to be able to work everywhere that you want to travel. The last thought he had about the camera is actually more in relation to moving images to a Mac for editing. So he uses Lightroom CC and like Photoshop to edit the photos. And because he shoots a majority of the images in Apple Pro Raw, he said getting them off the phone can actually be cumbersome. He said a lot of times he tries to put them directly into the Photos app, and I'll tell you why in a moment. And doing that, can be a very slow process. Sometimes the Photos app will just say preparing to import for an extended period of time for no reason. 
no progress bar or anything. So that can be frustrating, especially if he's transferring lots of photos. And then the other option, which is my first reaction, is we'll use image capture, which if you don't know about that, image capture is a utility on every Mac. If you just search in Spotlight for image utility, it's a standalone application. And when you plug in an iPhone or a camera or SD card, you can actually import photos and videos directly from those devices using image capture and save them as raw files to a folder. And so you can do that. And I have found if I need to get a bunch of photos or videos off my iPhone, I will use image capture instead of the photos application. But he said when using the ProRAW file format, taking them in via image capture and then opening them in something like Adobe Bridge, it actually loses the ProRAW compatibility or he's not able to actually have the same controls over the photos or the same viewing options as when he puts them into the photos app first and then tries to process them after that. Things like HDR and stuff, like it loses some of those profile informations. So his one of his biggest challenges and what he hopes Apple changes is that image pipeline from taking a pro raw photo from your iPhone to whatever editing application that might be. Maybe this could be solved, Apple, by bringing back, you know what I'm gonna say, William? Aperture, bring it back. You're doing oh, 48 megapixel pro raw photos. Yeah, I mean, you still remember Aperture fondly, right? Yeah, I miss Aperture. It was a good app. I liked that. Now, you you shoot a lot of videos with iPhone for your YouTube channel. Do you typically just airdrop those files? Are you connecting your phone to your computer? Yeah. What's your process? No, I airdrop, and 70% of the time, it just works straight away. And it's not incredibly fast, but I'm only doing about sort of 10 or 20 gigabyte uh, files at a time. So I wander off for a cup of tea and come back, and it's all done airdrop is brilliant except when it isn't um <laughs> I, I was really struck there by you talking about image capture because i've used it as well for the same reason but maybe not for 15 years really i can't i was it still exists absolutely yeah i think i will use it now you've told me <laughs> yes. it's it still exists and i will still use it and also I actually have helped other people who sometimes if they have an older device an older ipad even or an iPhone, you know, there's great third-party applications. I've talked about iMazing. They've sponsored the show before. Mm. They have a great tool for getting some of that files and photos off as well outside of Apple's applications. But image capture, it's just, I don't know, it's super fast. You don't have to wait for any kind of like processing. As soon as you open that application, it sees all the photos and videos on your device, like your iPhone. You can select which ones you want to import, choose what folder they're going to go to upon import. I don't know. I mean, it's a powerful application. I think more people should use it. So let's talk about iOS 16, William. Now you've been, you're a ranger. Yeah. You've been running the betas for years now, just, just by accident. No, a ranger. <laughs> uh, I prefer the word idiot <laughs> who did it too early, no. but you know, I'll take ranger. That's uh, I quite like that. No, one. I mean, yeah. you didn't, you didn't have any major issues, right? You didn't lose any data or anything. It wasn't bad. No, a couple of problems with phone calls, uh, which is fairly fundamental on the phone, except not so much these days, but other than that, um, yeah, no, yeah, it's not been uh, bad. It all seemed to go pretty swimmingly. Well, I did not run the beta on my iPhone. I put it on my iPad and I've experienced that, but a lot of the new cool features like focus filters, the lock screen, that was really something geared towards iPhone. It's where I would feel yeah. the most changes. So, of course, updated on day one, had a couple videos out, but man, I have some thoughts. So first of all, let's start with the lock screen. I love customizing the lock screens. It's great. One of the, the first annoyances was that only one lock screen can be associated with one focus mode at a time, but I've heard that changes in 16.1. So you can actually have the same lock screen 
in multiple focus modes. So just a little detail there. But I really like the custom lock screens. I use the, the weather conditions lock screen at one point. I like the different fonts. The widgets I feel like still have a ways to go. <laughs> the lock screen widgets, there's some great ones. Fantastical has a great, you know, next event widget. There's some good little widgets for things like things, the to-do app and AnyList, which is my grocery app. They adopted it very quickly. OmniFocus right there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. OmniFocus. TripIt as well. Oh, trip it. Okay, very good. Yeah, and I think Flighty has one too. Oh, app in the air as well. Oh, yeah, there's okay. Loads of these. You're just spitting uh, facts here, William. Okay. None. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are some great third-party ones. I, I do wish Apple would have incorporated more home widgets for the lock screen. There are some where you can get like a climate report to see like what temperature and humidity is in your house, yeah. and you can like see how many lights are on. But there's no widget as far as the stock home application to trigger a scene or control an individual device. So I feel like there's some ways to go for that. And there's still also no home widgets for the home screen in Apple's home app, which I'm like, that's a ripe place to put a bunch of widgets to control your home. There's great third-party apps for that, like home widgets, but we'd like to see Apple incorporate you know, more home stuff. But I would like to know, William, I, I, maybe you've told me before, but what are some of your lock screen widgets that you have found particularly useful? I am still playing with lock screen widgets. Um, I've settled on a weather one um, and an OmniFocus inbox one for quickly adding something in. And depending on how good the day is going, I might allow the exercise rings <laughs> to appear and on my face every time I look at the phone. Uh, but other than that, it's like the middle slot I haven't decided on yet. I'm actually surprised how much I like the lock screen, though, uh, oh, partly yeah. because of the widgets. I love the lock screens. I love the globe lock screen where you can see like the whole earth kind of zoomed in around your location. I really like that one. I like all the astronomy stuff. Yeah, I haven't tried that one. Ooh, oh, I yeah, have that one. It yeah. is very good. I mean, you just gave me an idea. You know, you said it's nice to see your activity rings when maybe you've actually worked out that day. And now I'm wondering. Yes, but not when you haven't. Right, so, exactly. So clear. Yeah. I'm thinking I might create a focus mode that gets triggered after a workout. <laughs> whenever a workout ends, that a lock screen is activated that has the activity rings on it. That's a genius idea. And it's like not discouraging when you haven't worked out, but encouraging when you have. That's a great idea, William. Depends how long the workout is. Well, yeah. I might do see you complete some workouts because we're still friends from... <laughs> We're friends in the activity app from like a year ago. You think you? so, but that's actually my wife. I give her my watch every now and again. Oh, and she's, I see. Yeah. All right, I'll wear this. It'll fool everybody yeah, I know. I, I strap mine to my dog and he runs around the house too. Yeah, I get it. Okay, I'm not going to make any... No, no, no. Sorry, I'm just uncomfortable comparisons there. Uh, so, <laughs> no, anyway, sorry, sorry, I think sorry, no. I was just... I, yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife actually works out pretty regularly, and so she's she's not going to give me any credit that I have not earned. So I would I would not <laughs> like, yeah. She's got her own Apple Watch for tracking that. This episode is brought to you by Magic Lasso AdBlock. Oh, let me tell you, I've been using Magic Lasso as my content blocker pretty much all my devices for a long time, way before they even sponsored this show. And so, if you want to experience twice as fast load times in Safari on your iPhone, iPad, and Mac. Download the Magic Lasso AdBlock app. It's an ad blocker designed for you. It's super easy to set up, even blocks YouTube ads, and doubles the speed at which Safari loads. Magic Lasso is an efficient, high-performance, and free ad blocker. With over 4,000 five-star reviews, it's simply the best Safari ad blocker for your devices. Magic Lasso blocks all intrusive ads, trackers, and annoyances, letting you experience a faster, cleaner, and more secure web browsing experience. And here's the most important part. 
Unlike other ad blockers, Magic Lasso respects your privacy and doesn't accept payment from advertisers. You need to be able to trust the ad blocker you're using and Magic Lasso doesn't sell your information to advertisers. Online privacy isn't something you should be hoping for. You need to know that you have it. So stop being followed by ads around the web by blocking all ad trackers and ensuring your browsing history is not harvested by ad networks. And the app also blocks now over 10 types of YouTube ads, including video ads, banner ads, search ads, and suggested product ads. So join over 200,000 users and download Magic Lasso Adblock for free from the App Store. And as a special offer for Apple Insider listeners, you can go to magiclasso.co slash Apple Insider to receive one month free access to all of the app's pro features. That's www.magiclasso.co slash Apple Insider. Receive one month free pro access. That link is also in the show notes. Our thanks to Magic Lasso for supporting this show and our friends at Collide. If you're considering a third-party audit like SOC2 for your business, you should be prepared to answer some tough questions about endpoint security. Auditors want to know that you have a system in place to monitor and maintain compliance across your device fleet. That means showing that your employees are using things like disk encryption, screen lock, and password managers. And if you're not quite sure how you'd go about proving all that, you need Collide. Collide is endpoint security for Mac, Windows, and Linux devices, and it does things that mobile device managers can't. And it gives you the ability to meet your third-party and internal compliance goals. Best of all, Collide doesn't resort to surveilling employees or locking down devices. You've probably worked in a business where devices get locked down down by the IT team, and then employees just end up using their own personal devices because they can't get their work done. Instead, Collide works with end users to resolve issues and relies on their cooperation and consent. You can meet your security goals and pass your audit without compromising on privacy. Visit collide.com slash Apple Insider to find out how. And if you follow that link, they'll hook you up with a goodie bag just for activating a free trial. Free goodie bag, free trial. You can't go wrong. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash Apple Insider. Collide.com slash Apple Insider. That link is also in the show notes. Our thanks to Collide for sponsoring this episode. Now, in addition with the lock screen, focus filters... It's one of the things I've been most excited about because I played with it on iPad, mm. but it's really useful on the phone. And my goodness, focus filters are incredible. And if you didn't know, focus filters allow you to change what email accounts, what calendars are active depending on a focus mode. And thankfully, my favorite calendar app, Fantastical, added support for focus filters from day one. The app update was right there on iOS 16 launch day. And so what I have done is, I've created a focus mode, including focus filters, for work mode, for evening, like after work hours, another for weekend. And it's great because during work hours, I can hide some of the calendars that have like family events that might be like all day events, maybe even birthdays, things that my kids are doing for school. I can hide those calendar sets during the day and only see my meetings and work events. And then in the evenings and on the weekend, I can hide all the work calendars and just see the personal calendars. And it's wonderful because one of the things is even if you turn off mail notifications or maybe your work is very slack oriented and you didn't have to worry about work emails coming through, those calendar invites are the sneaky things that's, that come through. You know, and I, I would remember on the weekend, sometimes I wouldn't see a work email or a slack message, but I would see that calendar invite. And that would kind of put my mind in work mode. And I know it's a little thing and you can get past it, but mm. my personality is like when I'm exiting work mode, I, I, I struggle to get out of it. And then I want to you know stay in that off mode as long as possible. Yeah. And so being able to disable individual calendars and calendar sets in a focus filter 
has just been a wonderful experience. Have you customized any of that stuff for yourself? Not on the iPhone, but I have on the Mac. And I oh, was, nice. I'm curious to know the difference. I believed that um, on Mail on the Mac, that if I switched on the focus mode and did what I did, I could completely remove, or apparently completely remove, uh, one email inbox. And, and you can't. You can stop notification, do all sorts of things. And you also stop the... Um, the count of unread messages where there would normally be a count on the Mac. There's a little uh, do not disturb half moon icon kind of thing. Right. And, and I'm okay with that, but I'd still, I'd rather it was gone completely uh, so that I'm not even thinking, should I check this or not? Kind of. uh, is it the same thing on the iPhone that the mailbox is still there? Yes. Oh, actually I'm being thick here. It must be, isn't it? Because you're still supposed to be able to go in when you choose. Correct. So, so how could you do that if the day? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's the only way it can be. Yeah. Right. So there's a little moon icon next to the accounts that are silenced or hidden right then, and then you can you can manually jump in for sure. But they're hidden from the all inboxes view. And I also love in the messages app if you have a focus mode where only specific contacts can message you and call you when you go to the messages app it will hide all the other conversations of people that are not included in that focus mode. Wow. Interestingly, if there is a conversation, like a group conversation, and one of your chosen contacts are in that group, those groups will still be in the message list when that focus mode is active. But any individual conversations with contacts not in a focus mode will disappear. Your pinned conversations don't change. And so if you have a pinned contact or pinned text message conversation at the top, that will stay no matter what the focus mode does. And you can quickly disable the focus mode just to see if there's any conversations that have come in and then re-enable it right there in the messages screen without jumping to like the control center and turning off the focus mode entirely. Apple's implementation of the focus filters is just thorough, complete, like love it. It's just an incredible tool. Set it up if you haven't, <laughs> it's good. Also little, little features in iOS 16 that just are really nice. Haptic keyboard where you can turn on not just the audio clicks, but you can alternatively turn on some haptic feedback when you're typing. Have you turned that on since iOS 16 came out? I, I did for a while to try it. and I, I tend not to like it, but I so much prefer it to the click. The click, click, I just found that really irritating. But when oh, it's the haptic, yeah. it was like, ooh, that's quite nice. Yeah, that's listen, right. friends don't let friends turn on keyboard clicks. Don't, <laughs> don't do that. Don't, if, you, if your parents, no. your grandparents have the keyboard clicks on, just... Just quietly say, hey, let me do something. Let me help your phone out. There's an update. Just turn off the keyboard clicks. Just turn it off. Okay? No one needs to hear that. It's not, it's not good. But anyway, I've been trying the haptic for a little while. It keeps like surprising me when I first start typing because I forget that it's on. And then I'm like, okay, maybe I like it. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, let us know in, on Twitter, listeners, if uh, you've enabled a haptic keyboard. And then wallet tracking. This is a new feature in iOS 16 where if you order something with Apple Pay, and just to clarify, this is you have to use Apple Pay to buy this thing, whatever it is, and the merchant needs to support the wallet package and order tracking in order for this to work. But if you buy something with Apple Pay and that merchant supports the wallet tracking, that order will then be available directly in the wallet app and you can track your order right there. And I actually ordered a, a Verge t-shirt. They have some new merch. So I ordered a Verge t-shirt. They used Shopify for the e-commerce and Shopify is apparently already supporting this feature. And so that order is available in my wallet app right away. And I can click the little packages icon. I can see the order 
and I'll get notifications on like tracking and delivery. So I already try to use Apple Pay for any order I'm doing anywhere. And so I'm curious to see how many deliveries actually get integrated with that. And if Shopify does it, I mean, that's like 80% of the web <laughs> e-commerce universe. So I think it would be a lot of merchants will probably support it. Have you seen any pop into that wallet app? Uh, no, but actually I got incredibly irritated by the wallet app this week. So remember I said I was sitting in a cinema working out all the sums for it. Well, I bought the ticket online. I added it to wallet and I've now been past the cinema four times since then, since that specific showing. I, more than a week ago now and it every time it's oh look 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 you could still go watch the film in that seat here's the ticket kind of thing and it's no i can't I mean, have you wait, wait have you away. did you remove the pass did you delete the i pass? destroyed it after a few of this but yeah. when i've done it with train tickets they've expired correctly this right. one just kept on yeah it kept on giving um <laughs> i have noticed like concerts and movie stuff that it is kind of not great for that. Like the passes don't mm. automatically expire like they're supposed to. So yeah, I, I totally get it. But this sort of tracking sounds very good. Except, am I right? I heard something about you can't track your iPhone 14 order that you placed <laughs> through Apple Pay or, or something no. slightly. It doesn't like that. It doesn't do retroactive tracking. So because all the iPhone pre-orders and AirPods, like those pre-orders came oh, before wallet tracking. Right. It's not, it wasn't integrated and there's not a way to add a tracking into the wallet app. So like if you have a UPS order or a FedEx something, which FedEx doesn't even integrate with third party apps, but like you can't just add a tracking number. It's just automatically appears in the wallet app once you've bought something with Apple Pay from iOS 16 going forward. Now, I will say I did actually order another silicone case for the iPhone 14 Pro and that is not in the wallet app, which is very interesting. So, yeah, that's curious. I'm going to have to keep an eye on that and see if it appears there. But maybe the Apple Store app doesn't support it yet, which would be which would be kind of strange. But uh, other just quick few little features. Face ID now works in landscape on iPhone, which is wonderful. It is Yay. great. I, I don't know yes. why it took since, I don't know why till now, but great that that's there. When you take a screenshot, there's a new option to copy and delete the screenshot. So if you want to paste it in like a, text message conversation or email, you can choose copy and delete. So you don't have to think about deleting it later. That's a very nice feature. The lift subject from photo, we've talked about that in the past where you can remove the background. Great for creating like thumbnails and stuff for YouTube. So that's a great feature. You can have multiple stops in a map turn by turn yes. direction. So that's wonderful. At last. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So good. And also, I don't know if you've tried this, but the live captions feature, this is an accessibility feature. If you go to settings, accessibility, I think it's under audio visual, but live captions, it will live transcribe both videos. So if you have a video in your photos, you can get live transcriptions as the video plays and it will show the words on screen. This works on a FaceTime call. So if you're on a FaceTime call, you can actually see a live transcription of what the other person is saying. And you can just have the microphone be on and it will literally transcribe whatever voice it's hearing in the room and you'll see the words right on screen works really well pretty fast it's it's really cool have you tried it at all no <laughs> oh man it's it's really cool. you're making me think what have i been doing for all these months okay <laughs> all these betas what are you doing no you should uh you should definitely try it it's an accessibility feature but for those who could use something like that it's really really cool so kudos for the live captions feature works really well 
Um, this isn't iOS 16, but it's kind of related. While you were saying that last bit, uh, Apple Mail on my Mac here popped up with a reminder of an email that it wants me to follow up on. I don't. I didn't ask it to. I didn't do it. It's still. So here's an email. I sent it to somebody. She didn't reply. I don't need an answer. It's done. But no, Apple Mail is going, no, 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 no. You sent this three days ago and they haven't replied and they're really naughty and you should do something about it. How do I stop that, please? Wait a minute. So Apple Mail told you that? Yeah. Um, oh. I noticed this right uh, from the start in the beta. Actually, I had it on iPhone and Mac. So this isn't totally irrelevant. It's the same um, remind me later feature. I know now on the iPhone, there's a way you can swipe to the side and say, remind me. But if you don't, and I didn't with this, it seemingly still comes back after, in this case, three days oh. to follow up. There is a big follow up button. I wonder if I press that, do I have the option to go? No, I can just, it just, it's like create a new email and nag the person who wasn't supposed to reply. Oh. Okay. Not, I'm not crazy that. about that. I know Gmail does that a lot where, you know, if you log into Gmail, Gmail will say, Hey, this person hasn't responded. Like I never want to see those, but no. oh, that's unfortunate. Hopefully you can turn those oh, off. What about um, the Apple Mail is also added again on all devices. Uh, they looks like you meant to add an attachment there, uh, mister, and <laughs> you haven't, but sometimes, yeah, you have. It's right there. I can see it. Really? It's an attachment. Um, yeah, I've had that a couple of times lately. So I'll have to keep an eye on it. I actually haven't used the like snooze feature yet either, which you can. Oh, do you know, I'm conflating two things here. Snooze is uh, when you swipe on the iPhone and you can have remind me. That's what everybody else calls snooze. It takes it away right. and brings it back. This follow up thing that I don't ever want is a completely separate feature altogether. It's a completely separate feature. Now, I just did, I have an email here in my inbox. I swiped over. I said, remind me in one hour, and but nothing happened. Yeah. It's still in the inbox. Oh, I thought it was supposed to disappear. Well, it should, shouldn't it? Oh, I am presumed then it's going to pop back up as an unread message in an hour. I've just tried it on the Mac here and same thing. But it just sits there, right? It didn't like disappear from the inbox? Yeah, all of these things will be fixed uh, by the end of the beta Really, they will. Yeah, oh, sorry, the we'll, beat is over? Okay. We'll see. Yeah, beat is over. Uh, we'll see. Okay, so anyway, real quick, I want to touch on some things that came out in the iOS 16.1 developer beta. This has come out. Say we had 16.1 on the iPad. Now 16.1 first developer beta for the iPhone is out. Some welcome changes. One, when you edit your lock screens, Apple has made it easier to edit your home screen wallpaper separately than the lock screen wallpaper. This is really welcome because it was a little confusing because Apple keeps wanting you to like pair a lock screen wallpaper with the home screen. And it wasn't super clear how to have a different wallpaper on the home screen as opposed to lock screen. So that changes in 16.1, makes it a little easier. Matter support is right in the settings app now. You can actually go to settings, general and matter accessories are available. Matter still hasn't launched. And we talk in depth about matter on Monday's HomeKit Insider. So you can listen to that for, for more details on all the matter stuff. There is a new clean energy charging toggle now in iOS 16.1, it claims to reduce your carbon footprint by selectively charging when lower carbon emission electricity is available. I assume this means like if it's overnight where you typically have six or seven hours to charge, oh. your iPhone will try to like right. decide when it's going to charge fully, which it, it kind of already did. Like it would charge to the 80% and then finish right before you wake up because to optimize the battery health. 
But Apple still hasn't yet to give more information on this. Did you hear about this at all or any more details? No, everything you're saying about 16.1 is, is new to me. Um, I think I've come off the beta and onto the real one oh, sure. now. And you're making me think, oh, I could go back on the beta. <laughs> well, and your woes with the wallet app, one of the other features in 16.1 is you can actually delete the wallet app completely. You've not been able to do that before. Destroy it. You can just... No. Okay. <laughs> that was the most ominous I've ever heard you speak, William. That was, that was something. <laughs> Destroy it. Wow. That's was, that was powerful. So, yeah, you can delete the wallet app. And also, the battery percentage in the status bar up in the top right, previously it was only available for, like, iPhone 13 and larger. Well, in 16.1, if you have a 12 or 13 mini size or even an iPhone 10R and 11, you can now put the battery percentage right there in that top right corner. So, oh, that's curious. Yes. I More presumed there was some space reason why it couldn't fit on yeah. with those phones, and seemingly not if it can now. I, wonder what, hmm. I don't know. Do you, did you put on the battery percentage for the... Yes, uh, and uh, I put it on to see what it looked like because everybody said it was really ugly, and I thought, eh, it's not brilliant, but uh, I forgot to take it off, and now I'm kind of used to it. So what about you? I just toggled it on. And I'm I'm immediately appalled and disgusted. I can't I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do it. Well, I'm I'm distraught. Uh, I'm on fifty nine percent apparently. So, okay. See one. See mm. number one. I don't want to know the exact charging status of the battery. That'll give me battery anxiety. But also the fact that the battery is completely filled in when the percentage yeah. number is visible that throws me off. Okay. Like I I would rather the gradual decrease of the symbol as opposed to seeing a full symbol with a number. So I feel yeah. like they could combine those two, maybe. I'm with you. Yeah, I don't... Yes. In fact, I'm going to go sort that out and switch <laughs> and it off. Disable it right now? Done. You're going to do it? Okay, very good. Yes. <laughs> Glad there, oh, that's much better. Yes. There I've got go. loads more battery power now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. see? There you go. That's what those... it looks like. Anyway. Right. <laughs> okay. So those are some of the changes in 16.1. Again, it's the first developer beta. It seems like 16.1 will probably come out in November since it seems like the satellite SOS is not going to be available till November, we're waiting for new iPads to launch for iPadOS 16.1. So feels like, I don't have any information on this, but it feels like it'll be November time for that. Now, real quick, macOS Safari, even if you have not updated to macOS Ventura, the operating system to the beta, Safari version 16 was available on iOS 16 launch day. And Apple does this where it will update Safari, the application, before the whole macOS updates sometimes to get feature parity between what's happening in iOS 16 and Safari. And so you can update Safari. It has website settings sync, which is really helpful. Like if you have website settings for don't enable content blockers on this website and you know don't do pop-ups or whatever, like those website settings will now sync between your Apple devices, iPhone, iPad, and your Mac. And also William via email, different William, not Gallagher. <laughs> We've had three different Williams <laughs> on this uh, this episode. But the strong password editing, where this was something one password had for a long time, where if you needed to specify the amount of characters or the kinds of symbols that a password requires because a website wants it to be over 10 characters or include this many special characters, one password lets you granularly control that. Well, Safari now lets you do that too. And so you have some options to, you know, choose the minimum character count, whether or not you're using special symbols. So that's in Safari. You can get it right now on your Mac. And also the tab groups enhancements and so tab groups that sync across your devices you can now have different pinned tabs in different tab groups which is really nice because i had some pin tabs that i would kind of keep persistently but when you went to a tab group your pin tabs like i think 
they would still stay there, but your book, your actual tabs change. So anyway, you can customize your pin tabs now in the uh, new Safari too. William, I am so disappointed. It's so strange for me to say, William, I'm disappointed. Normally I hear that a lot more than I say it, but <laughs> William, tab grips, you've missed something. Uh, shortcut support. On the iPhone and on the iPad, oh, you can run right. a shortcut that will change tab grips, and that is wonderful. On the Mac, where I actually change tab grips a lot, it's, that action is not available. Oh. So very, very, I ran to my Mac when I realized this thing was available and got very upset and sad and upset. And I couldn't. I have buttons on my stream deck yeah. uh, that I could use for swapping between tab groups. And This is the whole thing with shortcuts on the Mac too. We've talked about it before, but it's really lacking a lot of those features like tab groups, any automation options at all. You know, there is no automations tab in shortcuts, even on macOS Ventura. So like all of that, I mean, just the inconsistency is kind of annoying. And also I've been using this third-party app. I think it's Toolbox Pro or something that has some shortcut oh, yeah. steps. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. One of the most useful ones is remove duplicates from a list, which is amazing. And I use it all the time on my iPad. I would love to be able to run that shortcut on the Mac, but it's just not available there. And I don't know if it's because the Mac version of shortcuts doesn't allow those third-party steps to be incorporated which I don't think that's true because you can use Pixelmator shortcuts. So I don't know. I'm not sure what the, the issue is there, but Toolbox makes it available for iPhone and iPad, but just not the Mac. And I'm not sure if that's a, a Mac shortcuts issue or, or what. So hope for more parity in the shortcuts for sure. Any other uh, third-party lock screen widgets you uh, didn't mention before that you'd like to highlight? or No, but there is an issue. If you come across this, that you know an app has a third a, a widget and you can't get it. Um, I've, I'm sorry to say I've forgotten the name of the person, the developer who wrote into Apple, Apple Insider, to say what the workaround was. Basically, if you, if you have an app that has a widget and iOS 16 doesn't see that it has... Uh, if you change the language on your phone and then change it back, if you offload that app and then reinstall it on the app, then it will work. Um, but it's very peculiar because uh, I told you OmniFocus works straight away. Well, it did for me, but I was talking to somebody who can't see the OmniFocus widgets. And for me, TripIt's widgets didn't work until I did this mm. kind of thing. So there's something a bit rough with third-party ones, but it's brilliant how many third-party ones there are. Isn't there? It's like straight out of the gate, people going for this more than I think they ever did widgets before. So, yay. Yeah, for sure. And yes, it was Clement, the developer who makes Home Widgets, which is the app. That's it, Clement. Sorry, no, Clement. Yeah, and we, yes, very We mentioned useful. on HomeKit Insider as well, but he has a great application because you can put home scenes on your lock screen as a widget using his third-party app. So I will link to that application in the show notes, but he was saying he had a lot of users not seeing the widgets even after updating and one of the solutions was just delete the app and, and add it again, which is the long is the long historical way to make any technology work. Just turn it off and on again. That's just what yes. that's just what you do. And also, I'll have one I have one last thing, William. Did you just say one more thing? No, I said one last thing. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not as pretentious no, no. to say okay. one more thing <laughs> on this. Okay. But I'm trying the stock Apple Podcasts application for my podcast player now. And uh, because they have, they they updated it in iOS 16, there's some visual enhancements, some now playing stuff, and uh, I'm giving it a solid go, as you guys would say in it's the UK, so try it out. The only one I ever use, I've tried the others, they offer me features that I'll never use, so I just, I've been sticking with Apple's one and yeah. never had a complaint, so... 
I'm glad you've joined me. We, we don't get a lot of stats about podcasts except for like downloads and where people listen and such. But one of the things we get is that 70% of our listeners use the Stock Podcast app. And so I wanted to know what they experience. And the iOS 16 update does have some nice features. So I'm going to try it out. I'm going to report back. I'm not going to say anything in depth right now. All right. Well, listeners, let us know. What are your favorite features? iOS 16. What boxes of Apple devices have you kept? And of course, what podcast app do you use? I'd still like for you to tell us. You could tweet at William and myself. Our Twitter handles are in the show notes. Don't forget, you could support the show and you can get an ad-free version and early access in both Apple Podcasts or at patreon.com slash appleinsider. And of course, thank you for all the five-star reviews. You can keep them coming. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.